Welcome to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Real glad that you could join us for another segment. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Melissa Orshan Span. She's joining us here as Chief Clinical Officer at Montanito and Affiliates. It's a company that provides treatment for eating disorders. She's going to talk a bit today about uh, stressful factors that may impact students' weight fluctuations, uh, a little bit of the correlations between a new school year and eating habits, some strategies to prevent eating disorder relapse, and some suggestions on ways that parents can stay connected with their kids who are living on campus. A lot to talk about in just a short period of time. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Spann. Thank you for having me. A bit of your professional background, if you would, and then talk about uh, being Chief Clinical Officer at Montanito and Affiliates. Thanks. So I am a certified eating disorder specialist. I've been in the field for uh, a bit over 15 years now. Um, And at Montanito and Affiliates, what we do is we provide higher level of care. So residential treatment, partial hospitalization, or intensive outpatient treatment for adolescents and adults. Our adolescent program is called Clementine, and our adult programs are um, under the Montanito and Affiliates umbrella. As far as eating disorders, I mean, they can happen at any time in a person's life. Uh, but what is it about uh, school or returning to school that can trigger an eating disorder that was previously uh, non-existent? Yeah, there's so many factors that accompany the onset of an eating disorder, particularly in a return to school. Um, for example, in college, living away perhaps from um, parents or friends or other support people for the first time, um, trying to navigate an unfamiliar environment. For some um, individuals, it's their first time experiencing preparing their own food, um, just overall changes in routine, and particularly Uh, This year, this is so critical um, for some of our students, whether it's high school or college, who are returning to live and in-person school for the first time in perhaps over a year, year and a half. Those stressors are even more amplified. Are the causes of an eating disorder always psychological? Are they a combination of psychological and biological factors involved? Yeah, there's a lot of factors that um, contribute to the onset of an eating disorder. Um, We like to think of it as a biopsychosocial perspective. Um, And that means that there are, yes, while there are biological factors associated with an eating disorder, um, things like having a close relative who may have had an eating disorder, um, struggling with other sorts of mental health conditions, um, there are um, significant psychological factors. And those are often um, associated with things like our temperaments or character traits. Um, The one that people uh, usually associate with eating disorders is perfectionism or, um, you know, that strong, um, unrealistic, high expectations for yourself. In addition to that, we have our incredible social factors that contribute to the onset and development of an eating disorder. That's our our, um, environment that we live in. So, That can be uh, somebody who struggles with weight stigma. That could be um, teasing or bullying, which is running rampant right now. And a huge piece for us um, is individuals who have had or experienced trauma. Um, In our research at Montanito and Affiliates, we now know that an incredibly high percentage of our client population seeking treatment for an eating disorder have experienced some sort of trauma in in their life, in their background. 
Does peer pressure play a huge role in um, eating disorders one way or the other? A student that may have an eating disorder befriends an incoming student and encourages, maybe through no fault of their own, that other student to begin an eating disorder? Or can peer pressure stop the onset of eating disorders? It's a great question. I I wish that there was more peer pressure that would stop the onset of eating disorders, but unfortunately it's it's more often than not the the former piece in which we see that um, that individuals who are susceptible to eating disorders because of those biological, psychological, and social factors um, might be in an environment where that environment, we would say, sort of pulls the trigger. Um, And peer pressure is a huge part of that. The desire to fit in um, and social media, which is a whole separate conversation, and how those unrealistic expectations really impact um, adolescents and young adults. Are there different types of eating disorders? There are different types of eating disorders. So one type of eating disorder is anorexia nervosa, which is typically characterized by someone who you would you would um, identify within a low body weight or struggles more so with restriction of their intake, meaning they're not eating enough. Um, another eating disorder is bulimia nervosa, which is associated with both binging and purging. Um, and then um, um, binge eating disorder, BED, Um, is an eating disorder associated with um, binging, eating large quantities of food in a relatively short period of time um, without the the purging factors. Um, There's a whole other category of eating disorders which maybe don't fit into those stringent criteria but are incredibly difficult to navigate through all the same. Things like atypical anorexia um, or, again, sort of in that um, other specified eating disorders. Um, so and anything that, that contributes to significant changes um, in weight um, or food intake are, are things that we see. Um, there's also other eating disorders. Um, ARFID and PICA are sort of in a different kind of bucket. Um, but for us, the typical eating disorders that we would see are anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, or what we would call OSFED, other specified feeding and eating disorders. What about um, a disorder where a person ingests food that they know is harmful for them, such as uh, an allergy or nausea or something like that on a particular food item, but they continue to eat that out of stress or peer pressure or bullying? So I think there's a few different things with that. So first, there's an eating disorder called PIPA, which is about eating substances that are not food and do not provide nutritional um, value. So um, substances, things like um, paper or things like that, we might see. Um, when we talk about somebody who's ingesting an allergen um, that they know is something that they shouldn't eat, um, that might be more closely related to, to being a form of self-harm. A client might know, uh, an individual might know they would have a harmful reaction and they would need to seek um, medical attention. Um, and so that would be something that we would want to investigate more so. What about the, the joke of the freshman 15? Yeah, so it's actually the, the fear of the freshman 15 or the fear of gain weight um, is, is a potential risk for um, eating disorders or other sort of maladaptive coping mechanisms within college students. Give us some tips on what we should do if we suspect a loved one is uh, struggling with an eating disorder. I think when, when an eating disorder sort of becomes at the stage where you 
really started noticing something, we need to have a conversation. We need to talk about um, what it is that's going on. Um, I think for parents, oftentimes this, this comes up around homecoming or Thanksgiving and the holidays when you see your kid uh, for the first time after a while. And in high school, it might be more difficult for parents or caregivers to notice when you see your child on a daily basis any changes in weight fluctuation. But it's important to pay attention to some of the other markers. Have they started exercising with an increased frequency? Are they running to the bathroom after meals? Do you notice that they're starting to cut out major food groups? So any one of those, um, and, and there's many, many more sort of um, potential onset to eating disorders, the most important thing that a parent, provider, support person can do is to start the conversation, start it early enough, and seek help. Give us a website, if you would, where we can learn more. Sure. Our website for, for Montanito and Affiliates is Montanito and Affiliates. Com. There are other wonderful resources out there. I would direct you to the National Eating Disorder Associate, Association and their resources as well. Great, great. And once again, that website is www.montanitoaffiliates.com. Well, I appreciate you joining us here on the uh, program, Dr. Spann. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Melissa Orshan Span. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.